sanctify us by your truth. Your word is truth. Amen. In John chapter 18, verse 11, Jesus says to Peter, Put your sword into its sheath. Shall I not drink the cup that the Father has given me? So, what's in your cup? If this were your cup, and it's representing something you're going through or something you've gone through, it represents your life. What's in it? It was an ancient tradition of the Jews in the days of Jesus to celebrate the Passover with wine. They would enjoy their meals and they would share wine at the Passover meal. As it says in Psalm 104, listing the many blessings and goodness the Lord provides, he opens his hand and satisfies the desire of every living thing. It mentions wine that gladdens the heart of men. So it became a tradition among the Jews to lift up the cup of wine throughout the course of the meal. Four times they lift the cup. Four times they remember and give thanks for what the Lord did in the Exodus. However, wine couldn't have been something that they enjoyed from the very beginning as slaves. Instead, it represents something that they could only celebrate once they were in the promised land. Once they came to the destination of God's promises, once they could plant their grapevines, once they could harvest them, and once they could make the wine that they could put in the cup to lift. And so it was a remembrance of blessing and thanksgiving that God accomplished what he said he would do. Has God accomplished what he said he would do for you? What has he put in your cup? Maybe you remember drinking something more bitter. Maybe you've had that experience, not quite as bitter as slavery, but bitter enough that you can remember a time when you weren't drinking wine from your cup, but something more sour. As they remembered the joy of reaching the promised land, it wasn't all joy that they remembered. They also had the bread, the unleavened bread, the bread that represents to the, the haste that they had to leave Egypt, along with the bitter herbs representing the bitterness of their suffering. Before the sweetness and salvation that the Lord would put into their cup, there was a cup of bitterness, of suffering. And now Jesus says to Peter, Shall I not drink the cup that the Father has given me? So what was in Jesus' cup that night as he was in the garden, ready for what was coming, and he says he has to drink what's in the cup? Tonight we'll look at that cup that Jesus lifted the night where he was betrayed, and also the cup that you lift tonight. In Matthew's Gospel, on that same night of his betrayal, he recounts a conversation between the disciples and Jesus. And they're debating about greatness. 
who's the greatest disciple? And as they're going back and forth, Jesus chimes in. James and John are jockeying for position. Which brother is greater in Jesus' eyes? Which one would be given the privileged right hand seat next to Jesus? And Jesus responds, you don't know what you're talking about. Are you able to drink the cup that I have to drink? In their misguided wisdom and pride, they say, we're able. Jesus knows far better than they will ever know what they're really saying. Jesus knows that the cup that he has to drink, the greatness that he would achieve, would have to come through total submission sacrifice, and suffering. In the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus is praying to his Father, and he refers to this cup again. In agony, as he's being tempted, in a way we could never comprehend, the trial was so great that Jesus begged his Father to take that cup away. If there's any other way, Father, he said, take this cup from me. Nevertheless, he prayed, not my will, but yours be done. And so here again in our text in chapter 18, as Judas approaches with an armed escort with swords and clubs, Jesus steps forward to willingly give himself up. Peter, as the disciple who acts before thinking, impulsively draws his sword and strikes at the servant. Jesus responds to Peter, put your sword in its sheath. Shall I not drink the cup that the Father has given me? This cup that Jesus is talking about comes from the book of Jeremiah and Isaiah. The cup that Jesus is referring to was prophesied by Jeremiah in chapter 25. Jeremiah is lamenting the people's stubbornness, their rebellion against the Lord. He says that they never listen. And the Lord says, I have persistently sent my prophets time and time again to preach to you, but you won't listen. And so he says, because of this, an hour is coming where I will send to you this cup. He says to Jeremiah, take my, from my hand this cup of the wine of wrath and make all the nations whom I send you drink it. And they shall drink it and stagger and be crazed because of the sword that I am sending among them. Judah is not listening. And the Lord promises to send this cup that they'll drink from a cup that will make them stagger about so they don't know what they're doing. And he's not just going to give it to them, he's going to give it to all the nations so that they'll all drink and be drunk and they won't know the Lord anymore. And they'll stagger about in violence, in hatred, in pride, in war, in coveting and discontentment, 
For generations to come, nation after nation will be drunk with this power until the time of Jesus, where Rome is the one that's drinking the wine of his wrath. Now God sends his son into the world. He sends his son into the world and his na- the nations and his own people are so lost in God's wrath, they don't even know it. And they're plotting against the one that God sent. But this time, Jesus won't be drunk. Instead, he says to put your sword into your sheath. He realizes that this cup is not something that he has to take because it's being forced on him by violence and sin. Instead, he's going to willingly take it. He knows it is the Father's will. It's so severe to drink this cup that it represents all the nation's disobedience. So severe that Jesus would pray if there's any way to spare him from this, he would find a way, but there's no other way. So Jesus becomes the greatest by becoming the least. And he says, thy will be done. Now Isaiah also prophesied of this cup. In Isaiah chapter 51, Isaiah is predicting not just the cup of wrath, but how God's going to deliver the people from this cup. In chapter 51 of Isaiah, the Lord reminds his people to wake up out of their stupor. He says again and again, awake, awake, sober up. Hear this, you who are afflicted, you who are drunk but not with wine. Behold, I have taken from your hand the cup of staggering, the bowl of my wrath, and you shall drink it no more. And I'll put it into the hand of your tormentors. A promise from Isaiah to take the cup away. And chapter 52 goes on to say that you'll go out with joy and peace and holiness, which leads into chapter 53. And now that the cup has been delivered away from Israel, he says, my servant will take it. The one who was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, the one from whom men hid their faces, he was despised. And surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. We are delivered because Jesus took that cup. We are delivered from the cup of wrath. And God puts a new cup in our hands. It's the cup spoken of in Psalm 116, which we'll be saying right before communion. Psalm 116, which says, What shall I render to the Lord for all his benefits? I will take up the cup of salvation. And call on the name of the Lord. Psalm 116 is a very special psalm. It lays out how believers will go through afflictions. You'll drink bitter cups, but not the cup of wrath. 
you'll go through difficult times, but it's not the cup of wrath. Instead, every bitter cup you drink is leading to a cup of deliverance and salvation. You have delivered my soul from death, my eyes from tears, my feet from stumbling. I will walk before the Lord in the land of the living. Paul later quotes this psalm. He says, we believed the Lord came through and now we proclaim what's happened. And he relates it to the resurrection of Jesus. He says that while we are afflicted outwardly, inwardly we are saved. He lists all these ways he's been beaten down, he's suffered, he's had to sacrifice. All these ways that the world will look at it and just give up. And yet he says, because of the resurrection of Jesus, it is all for our blessing. We believed and therefore we proclaimed that God is victorious and I will take up the cup of salvation. So that's what's in your cup tonight. In your cup is the wine of God's goodness and blessing, the wine of the new covenant. The Lord instituted his supper in the setting of the Passover, a time where they would lift up those cups to remember the bitterness and deliverance from Egypt, but to celebrate with thanksgiving. They don't walk in the land of the dead, but the land of the living. So we can come to the Lord's Supper tonight also and know Jesus is lifting up the cup of salvation with us. So wake up. Put on strength, take courage, be reconciled to God. And remember, Jesus has swallowed the wrath down, risen victorious, and pours out into your cup his Holy Spirit. Amen.